Hello, and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. This is Peter Jankowski, and I'm incredibly excited to be speaking with Omer Ismail today. Omer is a partner at Goldman Sachs and the head of the firm's U.S. consumer business. In this role, he oversees Marcus by Goldman Sachs, which includes a deposits, lending, and personal finance offering. Today, under Omer's leadership, Marcus has grown to over 3 million customers, 5 billion in loan balances, and 1,300 employees. Omer was originally employee number one at Marcus when he was tasked with leading a team to evaluate opportunities in the consumer space over four years ago. Omer, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. It's great to be with the Dartmouth alum. <laughs> Fantastic. Likewise. Uh, so could we start, uh, if you could just share a little bit about your personal story? Sure. So I, uh, you can probably tell from the accent, I didn't grow up, uh, I didn't grow up with the U- in the U.S. Uh, I actually grew up in Pakistan and, and uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, when I came to Dartmouth for undergrad. Uh, I, uh, I've worked at Goldman um, you know, since graduating from Dartmouth. I've worked at Goldman uh, over 15 years, actually most of it in our uh, private equity group, investing in all sorts of technology-enabled businesses and growth businesses across a wide range of industries, finance and consumer financial services being one of them. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, about five years ago, I was asked to lead a team inside of our private equity business looking at opportunities that Goldman Sachs might have in the consumer banking space. As you know, you know Goldman Sachs became a bank uh, coming out of the crisis, but for a few years we did very little in terms of new businesses that we started in the bank. We used it more as a legal entity uh, and used existing businesses of Goldman Sachs, booked business into the bank. But a group of us got together about five years ago looking at opportunities that we might have uh, in, the, uh, in the consumer banking space. And after making a case to our senior management, as well as uh, to the board, uh, we decided that Goldman Sachs had, uh, in fact, a real opportunity to create a digital uh, consumer banking franchise in the U.S. and really solve consumer pain points in a way that hadn't been done before. I won't, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of the, uh, you know, the history of of how Marcus got started and what we did. But today, as you mentioned, I run, um, uh, I run the U.S. business which we launched uh, a little over uh, a little over three years ago. Got it. Thank you for that background. That's great. So maybe we can start with the founding of Marcus. And you mentioned that Goldman had decided to pursue the opportunity in the consumer banking space. Uh, why consumer banking for, for a bank that's been around for 150 years? Right. And why now? So, so as I mentioned, um, you know, in 2008, coming out of the crisis, we became a bank, uh, and for the first few years, had done very little uh, by virtue of starting new businesses in the bank. The group of us that started looking at opportunities that Goldman might have, you know, Goldman has four, or historically over, uh, you know, 150 years, has had four very large uh, muscle groups uh, in terms of businesses that uh, you know Goldman has built over a long period of time, investment banking sales and trading or our securities division, merchant banking or the private equity group uh, where I was, and then investment management. <clears throat> and then these businesses uh, have, you know, for the most part, all been B2B businesses, maybe with the exception of our private wealth management business, um, which has helped um, family offices and wealthy individuals manage their money. Um, but in 2014, when we started looking at opportunities in the space, you know, we saw a confluence of factors that we believe could be a real um, strategic opportunity for Goldman Sachs. One was just very significant consumer pain points as it relates to them uh, managing their money. Consumers, uh, you know, and at this point, you know, since uh, the early days of Marcus until today, we've spoken to over 100,000 customers to really understand 
their pain points. And if I was to summarize it in one sentence or one framing for it, it's that consumers are overwhelmed and feel like they don't have control over their financial lives. So one, one of these factors was just real significant consumer pain points and our ability to create products and services for them that help them get control over their financial lives. Two was we at Goldman Sachs had all the advantages of being a bank. We you know, had a large banking entity. We had the legal compliance regulatory infrastructure, the capital, the balance sheet, uh, had the brand. Uh, but we didn't have any of the legacy that a lot of our traditional banking brethren had. We didn't have legacy technology. We didn't have re uh, legacy business models. And so we could do the best of both worlds. We could be a fintech inside a very large bank and a very large institution. So inside Goldman Sachs, we like to call ourselves a startup with 150 years uh, of experience. And so, and using those benefits, all the advantages of being a bank on the one side uh, and being, uh, you know, starting this from a clean sheet of paper on the other side to really solve, as I said, consumer pain points and create products and services for them that we believe could help them um, you know, take control of their financial lives. Yeah. And so that's, that's the journey that we've been on. Definitely, um, and a few things I'd love to get into on that. Um, but for you personally, I'm also curious, how did you go about getting involved? Did you raise your hand to get involved? Right. Were you selected because of your background? Yeah. What were the, what were the factors? You know, it's, um, <laughs> it's interesting. I was, um, I was asked at the time to, uh, to do it, but I think that my background in um, the private equity business the head of the private equity business believed um, that I had a really suitable background in order to at least lead the first phase of it, which was much more of a research phase, should we do this? At the time, the idea wasn't that I would actually jump into the business and help, act, help um, actually launch it. And as I mentioned, in, inside of our private equity group, I had invested in a range of technology-enabled and growth companies in a, in, a, in a range of industries. Financial services was one of them, but I'd also done investments in the healthcare and the media space. And so the head of the merchant bank, um, Rich Friedman, who I worked for at the time, thought that I would be a good person to, again, lead this team using a lot of the private equity skill sets to see what opportunities might there be what is happening in the landscape? Who are the interesting innovators and disruptors? Are these opportunities that could be available to Goldman Sachs? Should we buy versus build? How do we think about going about assembling a management team? So you know, those were the questions that we were answering initially. Uh, and we had assembled a task force of senior leaders across the firm. The head of the Merchant Bank was one of them, but it also included you know, the chief strategy officer of, uh, of Goldman at the time, Stephen Scher, who's since become uh, CFO. Uh, as well as Goldman CIO and other leaders where they kind of served as our internal board uh, to evaluate whether or not we should do it. Um, and quite frankly, having you know worked on the project for what initially was supposed to be six months but became close to nine months to a year, uh, you know, I just became infatuated with the idea and so decided to leave my private equity day job and, and, and do this full time. So I'm curious, at the start, you mentioned the focus on consumer pain points and how you guys saw that consumers really felt overwhelmed and, and had a lack of control. How did you go about talking to consumers? Was this focus groups, meeting yeah. people on the street, right. surveys? How did you guys uncover this? You know, this? We, we employed um, a range of tactics and approaches in order to really understand consumers uh, and what their pain points were. And again, as I said, if I was to summarize it, it was a lack of control. And what we really found, if you kind of dig one level deeper, is that consumers um, 
and, and these are really Marcus's brand pillars. If you walk around our floor uh, today, you'll see them. And this is how we think about any product or any feature that we're coming up with, which is in order for consumers to take control over their financial lives, you have to give them products that we believe should give them value. They should be simple, they should be transparent, and they should be customizable. And we spoke to them in quantitative surveys. We spoke to them in qualitative uh, surveys. We did focus groups. In many cases, we did one-on-one interviews in their homes, you know, with their spouses in order to really understand how do financial decisions get made? Why exactly do you feel overwhelmed? What products do you think are transparent and simple versus what products do you think are not transparent and simple? Why is it that you have... $10,000 or $12,000 of extra cash lying around in your checking account and a savings account um, that would be offering you significantly more interest is available to you, why don't you actually make that switch? Why is it that you have high paying credit card debt that you've been servicing for the last 15 years, but you haven't actually refinanced it into a loan that could help you save three, four, five hundred basis points relative to what you're paying? And so those are the questions that you have to really understand from consumers at an individual level in order to then create products that, as I said, give them value and done in a way that's simple and transparent. That's great. I love the focus on customer problems and customer needs. So once you guys understood that, how did you then decide on what product to launch? Yeah, I I would say that it was a couple of different factors. One, of course, we wanted something that we were solving real consumer pain points. We wanted something that... uh, we believed um, that we had a competitive advantage. We, Goldman Sachs, had a competitive advantage in delivering differentiated offering. And then finally, we wanted to go after a segment where our success would not be predicated on some unreasonable market share. You know, go after large, deep revenue pools. And unsecured consumer lending is a trillion-dollar market in the U.S. The vast majority of the debt exists on credit cards. And again, our ability to take the advantages that Goldman Sachs has by virtue of being a bank but not having any legacy, not self-cannibalizing, not having any legacy business model, we thought was a way to, uh, would be a a good first foray into the the consumer space. At the same time, we also acquired the GE deposit business, the online deposit business. And so our unsecured consumer lending product, giving consumers three, four, five percentage points off of their credit card debt. And then our online savings product, again, where consumers can open an account in less than a minute, very simply online and giving consumers today two and a quarter percent relative to, you know, in many cases, the zero percent that they're getting on their checking account were two products that we believed could be good, interesting first forays for Goldman Sachs in the consumer space. And if you remember, you touched upon this in, in the question that you had about why Goldman even decided to enter the space. For 147 years, we have been an institutional firm, a B2B firm, um, not really interacted with consumers in a direct D2C way. The day that we acquired the GE deposit platform in April of 2016, we welcomed 150,000 customers into the Goldman Sachs franchise. Goldman Sachs had 150,000 clients across every one of its businesses globally up until that day. We doubled Goldman's client count or customer count. And so... It's a very different business for Goldman. And so, you know, we made deliberate choices around what to do first, particularly given how new of a business this was going to be for this firm. And by number of customers, you make up the vast majority of Logo's business, right? So I'm curious. So 
Full transparency, I am a Marcus customer. I love the savings product. Um, part of what I love about it is the high rate, but also the simple, transparent, easy user interface. Right. How'd you guys go about designing that? Was yeah. that something that you saw customers needed and weren't getting in the market with, right. with current products? So our view in Marcus is, is again, I said, products have to give consumers value, and clearly the savings account gives you value relative to what you're earning in a checking account. But also the, the experience has to be simple, transparent, as I mentioned. But we view design and user experience as a, a very iterative process. And so there's no one um, in, in the world in which we live and how you interact, not just with financial services products, but products you know, writ large, whether it's ordering an Uber, whether it's ordering food on Grubhub, Whatever the experience might be, the experience and the, and, and the products that you have to create for consumers have to constantly evolve. And our view on this is to have a very product engineering and design-centric culture where we're constantly testing and learning. The product that we bought, when we bought the, the online deposit business from GE, it's gone through several iterations of constant improvements, constant customer feedback. Some of it is feedback that we receive from consumers online. Some of it is feedback that we get from consumers through our call center. Some of it's feedback that we get from consumers on sites like Bankrate and others. And and it's a constant iterative process. And there's a team right now that's thinking about other customer feedback that we're getting and how to embed that in the experience. And so I, I think that the culture that we have in Marcus is around it's it's fintech right and so we have we have invested a lot in design teams and product teams and engineering teams to create an experience like that and that's what we think is one of the things that differentiates us relative to our traditional bank brethren and it's much more around the culture of rapid test and learn and innovation as opposed to having a static design and we're we're grateful for customers like you that actually trust us with your money and you know we don't want to let you down that's great. So the culture is a really interesting piece that I want to dig into. How did you go about building the culture that you describe within a company that's been around for a long time? Right. Was that challenging at the start? I think that our approach was that because this is a different business for Goldman Sachs, we had to think about the people, the processes, the tools differently than how it might work in investment banking or in private equity where I was. We'd have to attract a different talent pool um, that has done this inside a place, has done it um, uh, where they work today that's different than the existing businesses that we have. Now having said that, there are certain things about the culture that are consistent across all of Goldman Sachs. I've been in investment banking, I've been in merchant banking, I've now been you know, in the consumer business. Clients at Goldman Sachs come first, customers at Goldman Sachs come first. That's true in investment banking, that's true in Marcus. But having said that, how we do that, how we actually operationalize that has to be different relative to investment banking. And so you know, we attracted the best that we could in order to, um, in order to build a world-class culture to create products for our consumers. I would say a third of the team is like me, kind of came from Goldman Sachs. A third of the team came from more typical consumer banking backgrounds, whether it's our head of credit or head of risk or head of legal or head of compliance uh, and their teams. And then a third of our team came from consumer and technology companies. And those people did not really have experience in consumer banking. And it's 
their thought leadership uh, and what they've seen happen in other industries that's allowing us to create 2019 customer experiences in consumer banking. And so it's really an amalgamation of, um, of I would say, a third, a third, a third. Um, it's not easy because people speak different languages. Somebody who's been in consumer banking relative to somebody who's been at Goldman Sachs investment banking or merchant banking relative to you know, somebody who's been at Facebook or Jockey or something that has nothing to do with consumer banking can necessarily result in sometimes translation challenges. But we were very deliberate on finding the right team, the right skill set, and a real focus on not finding star athletes, but finding star teams. And, you know, it served us well. Uh, I don't mean to make it sound easy because it's not like we agree on everything. We don't. But, but that's been a real focus. And then the second thing that I'd say, and you're on our floor today, Marcus, I can take you one floor up, and it looks nothing like what this floor looks like. Uh, the way I'm dressed, wearing jeans and sneakers, is very different than two floors up is merchant banking where I used to work. And uh, I'm sure even on a Friday afternoon in May, folks are wearing suits and ties, and that's, the, that's appropriate uh, for that business and, and, and what they're doing. And so I think it's really important to make very deliberate choices about the people, and we made very deliberate choices about the people that we're attracting here, uh, and the, the type of environment that we want to create in order to do right by our customers. And you've spoken a little bit to your desire to hire the best people, the best the people who fit best with the culture. Can you talk a little bit about what you look for when interviewing potential candidates? Yeah. You know, I would say that it was a little bit different when we were in the early days of Marcus relative to us today, just by virtue of the life cycle of, you know, where we were four years ago, finding our first employee versus where we are today. And I'll talk about some of those differences. The one thing that has remained consistent in this entire journey is everybody that we hired here is really focused on a mission of trying to make a difference in the lives of consumers and really create financial services products that are truly on the side of the customer and, and give them control, whether it's whether it's the unsecured consumer loan, whether it's the market savings account, whether it's new products that we're working on right now, like the partnership that we just announced with Apple. Everybody here is focused on how they can, uh, you know, they, they see how broken consumer financial services are just as a user and as a consumer, uh, how hard it is to open an account sometimes or get a mortgage or get an auto loan or the fact that products are littered with fine print that they're getting from traditional banks and they can't understand it and the idea of coming here and, and really trying to make a difference in the lives of consumers. And so that definitely has stayed consistent. Just from a life cycle standpoint and where we are, three years ago, four years ago when we were first starting out, we were when we were finding our uh, launching Marcus Personal Loans and finding our head of risk as an example, you know, we needed to find someone who ultimately we felt would be comfortable, you know, managing risk that would be required in a place like Goldman Sachs, being able to go in front of regulators, given this is a regulated entity, go in front of the board, go in front of senior management and explain how Goldman Sachs was thinking about risk, but at the same time was able to really ro roll up his or her sleeves and be employee number one. And so the term that we use, no pun intended, inside our, our place where we were looking for unicorns, people who could give up the corner office and the desk job where they were and go from managing 3,000 employees to be employee number one, but at the same time could scale with the organization. And you know we're lucky that 
the original founding team that we had, the vast majority of them are still here, and we were able to find people like that who could do both of those things at the, at the same time. Clearly where we are today, you know, Marcus has, including our call center, over 1,300 employees, and we're still looking for people that like to, you know, like to be in a startup environment, like to be edgy, want to come to work every single day, trying to think about new products and services that we could create for our customers, but it's just a different life cycle of the business relative to uh, three years ago and the type of talent that we were looking for. Got it. And that's impressive growth over three years, going to 1,300 employees. So on that note, I'm curious, you basically, you're basically an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur within a, a bigger company, um, starting a new business, getting new business off the ground. Any sort of surprises or challenges that you've encountered that you didn't anticipate from the start? Yeah, listen, I, I, on the one hand, there's a, there's a new challenge or there's a new surprise every single day. You know, on the other hand, um, we've been lucky. Goldman Sachs has been committed to our business. And, you know, we've been lucky that customers have re responded well to us. You know, if I was to point a couple of things that, you know, I think have been a little bit of a surprise to me that I might not necessarily have anticipated going in, it's just Goldman Sachs is, is heavily scrutinized uh, by external audiences. You know, whether it's the press, whether it's... Um, obviously our regulators, our shareholders, uh, you know, media, customers. Uh, and so our ability to create products just have a much higher bar relative to what a fintech startup might have that somebody is starting in their garage and just has the ability to put product out uh, and see how customers react. And so that is the uh, it's a it's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, we're able to do things at at uh, at massive scale by virtue of the customers that are attracted to doing business with Goldman Sachs and the capital that we have from our from our shareholder in order to invest in this business. But the degrees of freedom may not be you know as much, and we have to be really careful when we're launching a product. So, for example, when we launched Marcus Loans, um, we thought a lot about the type of volume that we would have and the right way to launch it. And we launched it with approximately 100 call center agents uh, when we before even going in market. Uh, and that's not necessarily a decision that startup down the street, as I mentioned, uh, with their garage might make. The second thing is, and this wouldn't be a new realization or a challenge, but startups don't necessarily go in a straight line. You zig and you zag, and more opportunities come your way, and you learn certain things about products and services and customer feedback and the like and 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 you have to uh, you have to pivot and I, I would say that um, you know that's definitely been the the story of uh, the story of Marcus uh, in terms of how we've thought about growing the existing businesses we have as well as thinking about uh, you know new opportunities that come our way and on that note earlier you mentioned the announcement around the Apple core brand card um, I know you've gone beyond your roots of personal insecurity and savings a little bit with home improvement loans. Um, there have been rumors of a potential wealth management product. Can you speak at all about what you're thinking about next? What's next on the product sure. roadmap? So um, one of the advantages that we have of doing this business inside Goldman is partnerships that we can strike for our, for our new consumer business, quite frankly, utilizing a lot of the relationships that Goldman Sachs has at an institutional level. We have a partnership uh, on the personal loan side with Intuit. We have other partnership dialogues going on. And as you mentioned, we recently announced uh, a partnership with Apple to create uh, a credit card. 
We're very excited about the opportunity. We think that uh, it is a consumer-centric product with a lot of the same principles that I talked to you about in terms of you know giving consum- consumers value and giving them a product that is uh, that is on their side. And uh, as Apple announced in their announcement in March, uh, you know we're looking forward to uh, releasing the product uh, in the summer. As it relates to additional things that we're working on, um, and you referenced uh, you referenced wealth management. First of all, on our loans and savings product, we really feel like we're in the first innings of you know what we're doing. We've been in the we've been in the business for um, you know about three years. Um, have been lucky to have the growth that we have, but we see a lot of opportunity both in our unsecured consumer loan product as well as in our savings product to continue to add features and uh, new product offerings uh, for you know consumers to help them meet their borrowing and their savings needs. We um, are looking at uh, developing a uh, consumer wealth offering to, uh, again, help consumers save uh, and invest their money, uh, again, following the same principles that we talked about. Uh, And one of the interesting opportunities that we have there is Goldman Sachs owns a business called ACO. It's a business that Goldman has owned for uh, almost two decades. And uh, it uh, started off as a financial counseling business for the top leadership of Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, uh, but has continued to develop relationships with a large group of employee populations in terms of helping, uh, again, consumers understand their financial picture and, 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 and give them you know, advice and wealth management options to, uh, to improve their financial future. And so uh, very recently, our consumer business got merged with the investment management division to create the consumer investment management division and the eco business uh, historically has uh, has resided inside the investment management division and so we're working very closely with them in terms of how to create a consumer wealth management offering and how to use the eco channel to help distribute the product to consumers. That's exciting. It's a lot of opportunity there. So um, we'd love to zoom out to look at the industry more broadly and curious to get your thoughts on what sort of opportunities or challenges that you're seeing in the market. Our, um, our biggest challenge uh, that we face and our biggest competition that we face is consumer inertia. We have, as I mentioned, a consumer unsecured loan that can help consumers save four or five percentage points relative to what they're paying on their credit card debt and yet there are tens of millions of customers that are paying high interest credit card debt. There are, you know, on the savings side, uh, millions of consumers that are uh, have their money parked in a checking account or a savings account in a uh, in a bank branch, and you know they could earn four times the national average in in the Marcus account relative to what they're getting. And so, helping consumers understand choices that they have and uh, how they can, as you said, um, you know, in your Marcus experience, open an account, you know, in minutes. Uh, and start saving for your future. That, in our mind, is you know the biggest uh, the biggest competition that we face, and the and the and the biggest challenge that that we face. And whether it's the Clarity Money platform that we bought to give consumers free personal financial management tools, or the content that you get on the Marcus site in terms of helping you understand your options, you know those are just ways in which we're trying to counteract uh, consumer inertia. That's great. That makes sense. And to end on a personal note, curious, outside the office, what do you like to do for fun? So, uh, I don't get to go outside the office nearly as much as I'd like, uh, but uh, 
Listen, I, I'm a, I'm, you know, all jokes aside, I'm, I'm a big believer, obviously, in kind of work hard, play hard, uh, and uh, I learned that at Dartmouth. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did as well. Um, you know, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, uh, and they keep me extremely busy. Uh, right now, I'm coaching my seven-year-old's uh, baseball team, which has been a really awesome experience growing up in Pakistan and only learning how to play cricket. So it's been uh, it's been it's been really fun. Um, but you know, my kids are at awesome ages, and so just being outside with them and playing sports is uh, has been has been a lot of fun. Particularly as uh, you know, they've gotten older, and and I can actually. Uh, I can actually, you know, play with them and hang out with them. So. You must have some unique tricks from cricket that you could bring into baseball. Yeah, you know, we try. We don't catch with a mitt, and so you know, it's been it's been interesting, kind of, uh, you know, teaching him how to do that. Uh, but uh, and the ball's a little bit different. But you know, some of the some of the basic, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just you know, you're just trying to hit the ball as as uh, as hard and far as you can, and so. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not sure I have necessarily the right grip that I've taught him, but he seems to be doing okay, so I'm excited about that. That's great. Well, thanks, Omar. Best of luck. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming up.